I've got both sides of the bed because <laughs> Steve uh, did all the publishing. So you get both of us in this book. You'll, you'll see him all the way through because it's beautiful. He did such an amazing job, color pictures, and it's, it's beautiful. But I want to read the dedication to you because it is my heart. This journal of testimonies is dedicated to the Vineyard Christian Fellowship of Grants Pass, Oregon, who committed to serving the Brazilian Amazon Basin for over 20 years. And it is especially to those intrepid souls who came on teams to discover firsthand what God was up to in the foreign land. So, thank you. This body, you know, it, if it takes a village to raise a child, that's an African proverb, it takes a whole church to do missions and do it well. And you, you guys did the, the best of the best. I mean, awesome. But I'm really, um, outside of saying that the book is here and you can buy it, I'm really not going to talk about the Amazon or the book too much. I, God gave me something else to share with you this morning. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure it will bless you. So I'm going to talk about things that you know probably quite a bit about, but maybe in a different way than uh, you've heard. I'm going to talk about identity, calling, and assignment. Because all of us have it. Every single one of us have it that know Jesus. So our identity is something that never, ever changes. It is always, once we're born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, it never, ever, ever changes. The only way it can change is if your will changes. But other than that, it never changes. It is solid. It is solid as heaven. It is solid as God. So when you accept the Lord into your heart, when you call him Lord, when you are born again, you accept the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the whole Trinity inside of you, the whole person of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus Christ, he resides in here. He resides in your heart. And you're a brand new creature, brand new creature, everything, absolutely everything, gone. Now that's hard to believe because it sounds like it's too good to be true, right? But it is true because of what Jesus is. It is true. And the old is passed away and the new has come. So the Holy Spirit begins to be the breath that we breathe. And the fire of Jesus is what we live in. And that's, that never, ever goes out. We just add logs, right? We add logs. Sometimes it needs added kindling. But we have to add, right? You have to keep adding, adding on there to keep the fire going. So um, I think it takes a lifetime to realize what being born again is. It is so fantastic. It is so amazing that it's going to take our whole life in God to find out what he did. And some of that started, I went to my hairdresser in Sacramento, and it's the same hairdresser my mom and my grandma had. And the hairdresser said, well, your hair doesn't feel like your mom's or your grandma's. She says, and that never happens. It generationally comes down from the, the, your mom, you, you know, the female side of your, your heritage. And she says, this isn't your mom's hair. This isn't your grandma's hair. And I'm going, that's right. It's what God gave me. And I'm born again, and this is what he gave me, and I love it, and I'm thankful for it. But it's not my mom's hair because I'm new. I'm brand new. My DNA changed. Everything changed. 
when I was born again. My thinking changed. I mean, I couldn't think one thing straight at all. My conscience was seared. That means it was fried. There was nothing left. I had no idea what good or bad was. I did had no standard for it. So when I was born again, it was just like I was a little child again. That thing came all the way back. Good and bad, oh my gosh. And the power to do good resides inside of me. My granddaughter just the other day uh, was looking at something that said naughty or nice, you know, and she says, Nana, were you nice when you, when you were a, a, a kid? And I said, oh, no, Nana was not nice, and her eyes got really big. Because <laughs> she knows, she's got a nice Nana, right? So I said, you know, I had no power to do good. I grew up in a home that didn't know Jesus. My mom and dad didn't know Jesus. My brother didn't know. Nobody knew Jesus in my family. So I had no power to do good. I said, the air you breathe is Jesus in your home. You don't know anything else. Thank you, Lord. You know, and, and here she is encompassed by the, the Spirit and the Holy, the Lord all the time. So she just can't fathom, not live. But it was a shocker <laughs> to her that her Nana wasn't nice. Uh, <laughs> um, my great-grandmother was a hypochondriac. And she had fears about everything that she ate or where she went. And she made up allergies. And she spent all my grand, great-grandfather's money on doctors. And she was in the doctor all the time, just fear, fear, fear. And my grandmother um, was raised in that fear. And she uh, went the opposite direction. She never went to the doctor. <laughs> But she was terrified of banks. She was sure it was going to be robbed when she went in there. So somebody else had to go in. It was going to be robbed when they were in there, right? Only when she was in there. So she would never, ever go in a bank. She never drove, um, scared of that. But it was OK that somebody else drove her. Um, but just a lot of fear, a lot of fear. My mother had a huge amounts of fear. And um, it came out as I was growing up, fear of everything, especially fear of people. She was always warning me, you know, people do this and people do that and they can do this. Never write anything in pen because they can be, that can be used against you. I mean, all these, you know, you, you, you go out of the house with mad money. Anybody remember what mad money is? A couple people? Well, it's, it's money. If you get mad, you could get, get a taxi and go home, right? That's mad money. So you never leave the house without mad money. So, you know, all this fear, growing up with all this fear. And um, my brother was a paranoid schizophrenic. Um, he committed suicide when I was 33. He was 30. And so a lot of mental illness in my family. I never, ever, ever think about being mentally ill. I never even think about it. I have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. When I came into the Lord, he gave me his mind. I didn't have to worry about what I could have or maybe should have inherited. It wasn't there. My, my, I don't have any of, of the things going on in my body that my mom or dad did. I didn't inherit any of that. It all brand new. So... 
my purpose now, because I'm born again, is to expand the Lord's kingdom. I don't have any other real testimony. I don't have any other real agenda. I don't have really anything else that I want to do except expand his kingdom. And before, I wanted to expand my kingdom. Lord, don't even ask what that was. So, uh, but my identity never changes. Who I am in Jesus, that solid, born again, being filled with the Spirit, having the Lord Jesus Christ in my heart ruling, that never changes. But my, and I have a calling. Each of you have, has a calling, and it's unique. It doesn't change, but it's unique. So the calling is born out of identity. First, identity covers the whole thing, and then the calling comes into play, and, and we, we discover what that is as we continue to grow in the Lord. Uh, I can't look to the, my calling to give me identity. That's backwards. So I look to my identity to give me my calling. Paul was called to be an apostle, right? Barnabas was called to be an encourager, and so on and on. I'm giving you a lot of scriptures, and some of you are, I, I see you, you know, racking, racking them up, <laughs> which is good. That's good. Um, but our calling is unique. But it is also something that doesn't change. So part one of my um, pieces of my calling is generosity. I love to give. It's something that I just, it thrills me to give. I, I like to give to missions. I like to give to my church. I like to give to people in need. I like to give to people. I just, I, I, love, I love to give. It's something that gives me great joy. And uh, one of the ways that God has directed me uh, to give is um, through tipping big. I love to tip big. It just, I, it's just a delightful thing. I, you know, I'm honoring the person that's serving me in whatever capacity, and, and I love to tip. It's so hard in Brazil because they don't tip. And, it, you know, so I have to find other ways to do it, right? So um, I, generosity is, is one of those, and hospitality is another one. I love to have an open home. I love to be welcoming, and you don't have to take your shoes off. You don't have to wear a mask. You just come in, sit down, and enjoy yourself. And we, we buy our furniture, and we arrange our home to, to have people. And we always have a guest room. We are right off the Turner exit. I mean, five minutes off the Turner exit when you're coming up. I know, don't pass us by. You know, come on in, because we love to have people. And, and we love to have people stay. I mean, you, you know... You, some of you remember Josiah, some of you remember um, uh, Marcos, some of you remember um, other people that we've had live with us, and it's been a ministry. We love that, but more than that, we just, we just love to open our home. We like it to be welcoming and a place that people feel safe and good and surrounded with love. Uh, teaching is another one of my uh, callings. Um, some of you have been recipients of that. <laughs> Um, and it's something that, I, again, gives me great joy. I've taught from uh, kindergarten all the way through college, um, university-level classes, and, and I've loved every minute of every class. So much fun. And intercession, that is probably the most powerful calling that I have. I love intercession. It is probably the most fruitful calling that I have. Um, I love both private and corporate intercession. 
I find it to be something that is life-giving for the body and the world. I, I just love it. And I love to get the word of the Lord and to pray it through and see these miracles happen, miracles, miracles, all from just waiting on the Lord. I love intercession. And uh, I would encourage you to become a part of intercession wherever you are, um, whatever church you're going to, whatever fellowship, uh, corporate and private, I would encourage that. But it is a calling that I have. So it was really good for us to move to Salem because everything here passed away, right? <laughs> and here we were, brand new town, brand new church, brand new, brand new everything. And it was so defining. It was so defining. And I thought, well, the things that gave me joy there will probably give me the same joy here. And sure enough, they're the thing, those are the doors that opened up. The things that 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 uh, were consistent with my calling, and that never changes. My calling never changes, no matter where I go. It doesn't change on the Amazon. Doesn't change in a new city. It doesn't change. It's always who I am. Part of my it comes from my identity, but I don't rely on my calling to give me identity. Again. So then assignments. So assignments are all over the place. They're like, you know, uh, they're our roller coaster that we, we live on, right? So assignments change daily, minute by minute. They change all, but your identity and your calling doesn't, but assignments do. They change all the time. I am amazed at what God does with my calling in the new assignment. So. On the Amazon, you think, well, how does that work? Well, the fuel money and the Roman board that the teams bring down, that provides for a whole boat load of people. That's food and fuel for everybody on the boat. So there's hospitality for you. You've just welcomed all, all these Brazilians that are, you know, on top of you all over. You have just been hospitable to them on the boat when you come on a team because you've just paid for their way to be there for the fuel and for what they eat. So um, hospitality, same thing. Uh, and in, in generosity, I love to give. I, like I said, and um, either in the Amazon or um, here at home, I, was, I went through a car wash and um, just through the quickie one, and the Lord said, give this young man $20. I said, okay, took it out, gave it to him, and I drove away, and I heard this, Wah! you know, and it, it just, I said, God, listen to that. That is praise to you. I mean, it's just, it's just the coolest thing. I just love it. I just love that. And um, on the Amazon this year, we were able to pay the debt off of three churches, Three brand new churches that are growing like crazy and people are hanging out the windows. Those of you that have come know what that's like. People just hang on the windows just to hear it because they can't get in. And so these, these churches are brand new. They're like a year, year and a half old and they're already need to expand and buy new land. And, and we were able to pay off their debt this year. Three of them. That was really fun. So generosity and hospitality um, always going on. 
Um, hospitality also on the job. Um, I loved a nice office, a nice clean office that felt welcoming, had plants all over everywhere, right? And uh, I just loved a place where my students could come and just sit and just talk to me about what it, you know, what struggles they're going through. Then I was uh, head of the tutoring center and every morning I'd get there and I'd wash the tables and I'd pray over them. Every morning, wash and pray, wash and pray so that intercession, intercession was going out and, and hospitality getting ready and for them. And, and uh, I loved to give to the RCC Foundation. That was a scholarship foundation. It was a place that I could give and, and encourage students uh, to apply for scholarships and get scholarships. So there's always a place to work out the calling. No matter where God has placed you, he's placed you so that you can work out your calling. That's, that's his heart, because his heart is working through you. Um, and teaching, I, you know, it, it is, classroom teaching is a, is a joy to me. And so now I go into my, uh, my granddaughter's classroom. I just sit and smell the classroom. I know it's weird. But I love the whole feel of a classroom, that, all that learning, all that thinking, all that frustration, all that. <laughs> All that stuff, I love that. I just love that because it's growth. It's actually, you know, you see those um, time capsule things of plants growing. That's how I feel, that I'm in a room where all that's going on, you know, in every little seat. I just, I love that. And it's something that just, just gives me a lot of energy and, and a lot of joy. I tried it online. RCC did not want to let me go, so they asked me to teach online. Oh. It was so hard for me. It was such a disconnect. I am reliant on seeing people's faces and their body language, and and the and the kids in the back yawning and looking at their phones. You know, I'm 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 just so reliant on seeing what's going on with with people, and so it was such a disconnect. I tried it. I I really gave it the old college try, right? Uh, I I really did, and I finally. Uh, God let me off the hook when he said, you're going to write this book, you're not going to have time. So I said, I cannot, I can't do both these things. So I'm, I'm having to say no. And, and um, it was difficult, but um, lots of grace. And then the book took over, and, and then that was the end of that. Um, we have two home groups in our house. Um, uh, we have a home group that's from our church, and then I have a writer's group. And that's, that's really fun. That's, I do a lot of teaching in the writer's group. You know, the grammar Nazi strikes again, you know. So I'm always, always looking at all of that and, and, and going through people's um, papers and stuff. But we read our stuff out loud and we critique each other. And then I have another writer's group that I go to. And it's, there's probably 15 in that group. And only about one person that knows the Lord. So much fun. It's so much fun. I read them the entire book. And they're... They, they still don't know what hit them. So, you know, they'll figure it out, you know. They'll figure it out. But it's like they, they kind of go out in a daze. You know, I'd watch them waddle out to the parking lot, you know. Sometimes they'd come up to me and go, wow, you know, you've got some relationship with God. You know, and I saw some hunger, some really cool hunger happening. But I'm there every week, boy, and I write poetry and I'm just, you know, the gun is still loaded. <laughs> it's still loaded. And they, when I get it out, they, they think, ah, you know, it's a, it's a cap gun, but I know. 
I know what's really in there, right? <laughs> so it's so much fun. I love it. Just in, have fallen in love with those people. Uh, the, they're very dear, and um, it's, it's a privilege to be a part of that group. Um, and so intercession, I still have found the intercessory group in our church and intercede with them weekly, and I still have my shofars, and I go out and I, use, I blow my shofars with whatever God has given me. Um, I blew it all through COVID. God, I had two shofars, and he says, I have two assignments for you on the shofar. One is COVID, and one is fear. Because there was a pandemic of fear. There was, a, there, was a, there was an honest to goodness thing with the nose blowing and all that business, you know, right? But fear. I, there were people that turned into other people. I didn't recognize them. Hey, you. I mean, beyond the mask and the shield and the, you know, no, no, no. I mean, honestly, where are you? You know, where did you go? Used to be so open and, you know, and we had Thanksgiving in a garage, I mean, Christmas in a garage, a freezing garage. When I was like, oh, my gosh, Lord, I'm blowing that thing with all my heart. <laughs> you know, help. So, uh, and I, I continued to go to the Amazon in the pandemic. I just, you know, it was great. There was nobody traveling. So it was like, I had four seats to myself, you know. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. Not, not wearing the mask was all that fun on the plane, but, um, and, and ministering with a mask in another language is not that easy, I'm telling you. It, but God still, you know, I mumbled my way through, right? And God still anointed and did marvelous, wonderful things all the way through the pandemic in the Amazon and still growing like crazy down there. Um, so it was super good to be a part of that. I didn't hear the Lord say, stay home and stay safe. I personally didn't hear that word. So I just went with what he was doing and took off. And um, I had a couple in, intrepid people that went with me. Philip went with me during the, the COVID and, and uh, Matt and Elizabeth and had a, had a wonderful team. It was so good. Um, so just want to think about, uh, in closing, I'm not going to spend a lot of time um, fleshing this out because I see you. I see in the spirit. I see what's happening with you, and your mind is going, oh, my calling. Let's see now. Uh, I know my identity, you know, kind of, but my calling. And then my present assignments, you know? And are they coming from my calling? And I see you backing it up. It's fabulous. I see it all over your heads in the Holy Spirit. It's wonderful. And God is going to redefine in such clear, clear, clear measure and words that speak straight to your heart about what your calling is and what your assignment is and what gives you joy. What gives you joy. What you, you can't seem to get away from because... It gives you joy. I'm, I'm a church lady. I, you know, I'm just, I, I was born again in a church. That church nurtured me, you know, from my infancy on up. I had the best childhood in Jesus. And, and when we um, pastored, we, we wanted to provide that same thing, that same way of people growing up in the Lord and thriving and finding out who they are and finding out who God is. Because it's the same thing. When you're born again, you find out who God is and you find out who you are. 
because your real self is inside of him, right? So it's, it's just, it, that, that was our heart. And I'm still a church person. We are very involved in our church in Salem, Life Church in West Salem. Um, it's where Joy, Joy, Joy Scott goes. She's not Joy Scott anymore. She's Joy Hartzell, but she's there. And, and uh, it's, it's just a, a wonderful place like this. Holy Spirit comes and just ministers. And we opened up some, uh, some healing chairs and put out our little chairs and wait for God to come and the people to come. And it's, it's all, it's fantastic. I love it. And uh, so I, I've always given myself to the church. And I believe that's part of uh, my identity, not even my calling, but I, my identity. Jesus died for the church. That was on his mind when, you know, for the joy set before him. That joy is the church. It's, it's, it was on his heart. It is on his heart. So I'm a church person. I like corporate worship. I like corporate prayer. I like corporate everything. But I am a gregarious person, too, on top of it all. So um, let's just uh, stand for a minute. And uh, if you feel led to close your eyes and just let um, the Holy Spirit sink in some of these words and... Uh, See where you are. It's just a time of um, t looking at where you might be and where God is calling you to be and what your assignment is or what your next assignment might be. So Holy Spirit, I just invite you into every single precious, precious heart here this morning, Lord. I just invite you to do your fantastic work. Your good, good, always good work in each heart. And just um, convince of identity. Convince of identity. Beyond any feeling, beyond any circumstance, convince of identity. And also, Holy Spirit, I just ask you to renew callings that may have gone a little cold or ones that are coming. Lord, I just pray that you just light fire under them. Fire, fire. Bing, bing, bing. Bing, Vogel. Bing, Spiritu Santo. Bing, bing, bing. Come, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And Father, for assignments, so many fantastic assignments I just, I just see a huge, um, mail, I see mailboxes full of assignments. They're just, they're just little envelopes being given into every mailbox in this room. Every mailbox that does not have a padlock on it. And if it is, cut that thing off right now because, you know, you don't want it. You want what God wants. So cut those padlocks. Cut that lock off. And let Jesus in to give you that assignment that, that is consistent with your calling and totally consistent with your identity. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are precious, 
Lord Jesus. I thank you for every single person here, Lord. I am so grateful. So grateful. We love each one so much. Thank you, Lord. I just see the word potential, but beyond that, there are, I see hope that uh, where fires have just almost died out, but the Holy Spirit is blowing, blowing on embers, blowing on embers, just blowing, blowing, blowing on embers, and they are lighting up hot so that people are coming through and, and just getting something sweet out of it, like marsh roasting marshmallows in your fire. They're getting sweetness out of your life, sweetness out of your assignment, because they see the joy and the hope and the love on your face when you do what God has called you to do in the assignment that he's given you. So much joy, so much thankfulness. you need prayer, I know this church has a fantastic prayer team. I commend you to them, to the leadership here, to the prayer team here. Please get prayer if you need it this morning. But for so many of you, I think you are just really receiving from the Holy Spirit just a raw, direct experience. And I would encourage you to bathe in it. Let the Lord do what he's doing. Don't rush it. Let it happen. Meditate on his good work, his good word. Look at those callings that you may have set aside, those letters that you never opened <laughs> that are in your box that you're afraid to open. Fear has no place, absolutely no place inside your identity nor your calling, and not your assignment. Fear has no place. So you just tell the source of fear where to get off because it has no place inside of what God is calling you to do. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for a room full of warriors that are going to fight through whatever is necessary to do what you're calling them to do. They know how to fight. They know how to pick up their sword, and they know where to put it. They know what to do with it. You have trained their arms for battle. They know how to do that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the fruit of all the warfare that's going to happen in and through each one here, Lord. I give you glory. I give you glory. I give you glory. You also have a cloud of witnesses over you. A cloud of witnesses. They are messengers to help you, but they are also watching to make sure you get that mail out of that mailbox. And you have so much help. You have the whole trinity inside of you. Not alone. Ever, ever, ever alone. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you for this house. I thank you for your Holy Spirit that moves in it, that is a loud rain in it, 
I thank you, Lord. I thank you for the elders. I thank you for the leadership. I thank you for what you're doing and going to do. You have such a fabulous plan. You have an assignment for this church that is so fantastic. And I just uh, see a great big mailbox at the door and, and you know, people getting those assignments coming out and, and it's great opening them up and praying them through. How can we do this? We can do this. We can do this. This is a can-do place. The Amazon is proof of that. <laughs> this is a can-do place. Things happen in and through this body. This is a can-do place. I, mean, I don't know how many times I went to Linda and I said, can we and fill in the blank? You know, can we take 30 bags? Can we, <laughs> can we pay for whatever? Can we pay for a boat? You know, can we pay for... There was always the Waymaker through Linda. There was always this, well, we'll just, we'll make it happen. Well, you know, there was muffins for missions, and that always seemed to be miraculously, amazingly abundant <laughs> and met every need. And I, this is a can-do place. This is a can-do people. I'm grateful. Wow, was that a good word? <clears throat> you know, as Midge was talking about assignments, I was reminded of a time I went over to Alan Witcherly's place, and he had a guard dog on a chain. <clears throat> and that's what kept everybody out of the yard. But what I didn't know was there was something <laughs> wrong with the dog. Because I remember walking with Alan out to this where his tool shed was, and that's where the dog was tethered. And I mean, this dog was ferocious. And started walking, and I said, what about your dog, Alan? He goes, oh, don't worry about him. He won't come near us. Well, as we started towards the tool shed, the dog ran at a right angle to us. I thought, well, something's wrong with your dog, Alan. He goes, yep, the people don't know that. But honestly, he was never the same after I ran him over <laughs> with one of my trucks. Poor dog. But a lot of us are faced with that. You're starting to step towards your assignment, and you got the barking dog. I'm telling you, just keep walking towards your assignment. The dog will move. Amen? Amen? Yeah, so, man, <clears throat> I'm excited for you guys because this is good stuff, right? Yeah, your assignment. So, anyhow, thank you, Mitch. Thank you so much for coming and and and... If, if you need special prayer for anything, please come up. We've got people up here who would love to pray with you, pray over you, pray for you. So please don't leave unless, you know, you're good to go. And if you don't mind helping with a few chairs, that would be awesome too. So God bless you. And um, that was it. So have a glorious day. Yes, yes, there is a book signing, and Midge has books that she's uh, got out there in the lobby. So, man, God bless you guys. Well, it goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall.
Joyful and trying 